People are hungry for spiritual truth. They're hungry for spiritual reality. It may be why they're chasing ghosts or trying to talk to spirits or interested in all kinds of bizarre pursuits. It's like people sense there is a spiritual dimension to life. But as so often happens, the spiritual enemy blinds us. He counterfeits uh, things so that we think uh, we can find spirituality in one area. But in truth, spiritual reality is found in God. He has made us and shaped us for himself. And knowing him and experiencing his presence in our life is the key to really unlocking supernatural realities. This month, we've been learning about the Holy Spirit. And we've learned a couple of things over these last several weeks. We've learned that the Holy Spirit is the presence of God. Not sort of the presence of God. Not kind of the presence of God. Not some cheap imitation. Not some passed down. No, the presence of God. With us. In us. Just as if Jesus were here in flesh and blood and bone in a no less real way, he is here with us. That is the Holy Spirit, the presence and person of God in us and with us. We learned that the Holy Spirit's job is to convince us that certain things are true. He is the one speaking into our life, convincing us of our need for God convincing us that Jesus is the answer, convincing us that we could turn from our sin and know his forgiveness. And he convinces us until we come to that point where we surrender and trust in Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And we learned last week that when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, that he desires to control our life. The Bible calls it being filled with the Holy Spirit. We walked through what the Bible says about being under the control of the Holy Spirit. Last week, we learned the Bible says that we are to grieve not the Spirit. That it's when we sin and disobey God and act in ways that contradict His will that the Holy Spirit is sad. He is grieved. He does not leave us, but He grieves us. And if we're going to be under His control, we must get rid of those things. We learned we need to walk in the Spirit. And that means to be in a companionship with Jesus, moving in the direction that He wants us to go. We learned that we must quench not the Spirit. That when the Holy Spirit puts impulses upon our life and direction into our heart, that we must follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit if we want to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. We learned that the filling of the Holy Spirit is not some mystical, ecstatic experience reserved for a few super spiritual elite, but that the Holy Spirit desires to live within and control every one of us. He lives within everyone who knows Christ or else we would know Christ. But He desires to control everyone in whose life He resides. And we talked about that. And so today we come to what happens when the Holy Spirit lives in me. How do I know when the Holy Spirit living in me really controls me? What is the evidence of that? We saw something about that last week, that the evidence is the character of Christ, sometimes called the fruit of the Spirit. But how do I really know if I'm experiencing the presence of Christ? Every now and then somebody will have just a special moment. They'll say, Pastor, that was a Holy Ghost moment. I said, well, what do you mean? Usually that means, well, I got goosebumps. You know, the hair stood up on the back of my head. Well, that's a good thing when you sense those moments. I love emotion. 
What can you imagine life without emotion? I, I love those moments when you just have this palatable sense of God speaking into our life. But I want to tell you, the control of the Holy Spirit isn't just about emotion. Thank God there's emotion, but it isn't just about emotion. It's about what the Holy Spirit of God wants to do through you. And so today we take our Bibles to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to look at four verses, 4, 5, 6, and 7, although we're looking really at the whole chapter, but gearing in on those four verses to talk about what the Holy Spirit does when He works in our life. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. I want to read this in the New Living Translation today. In 1 Corinthians 4, or 12, 4 through 7, this is what the Bible says. It's in your notes if you want to read the translation I'm reading from. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work In all of us, a spiritual gift is given to each one of us so that we can help each other. God's Spirit works in us. He desires to work through us. And the Bible teaches us that the way in which God's Spirit works in us and works through us is He gives us what the Bible calls here spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. Now, a spiritual gift is a talent or an aptitude or an ability that is given into your life by the presence of the Holy Spirit. God put it there. So a spiritual gift is simply something that God put in your life to fulfill His purpose in your life and to work through your life. Two things we want to learn this morning as we look at these Bible verses. Two things are taught here. The first is, I want us to make sure we're very clear about understanding the spiritual gifts. In fact, I want to tell you three truths crystal clear from these verses about spiritual gifts. And then I want to just give some practical advice about how to activate your spiritual gift, how to put it into practice. Well, first of all, understanding the spiritual gifts. In these four verses, there are three fundamental truths that Paul teaches. And there is so much confusion in the church that if we simply learned these three truths clearly taught in these verses, it would erase 95% of it. First of all, everyone has a spiritual gift. Everyone has a spiritual gift. The only qualifier I want to put on that is simply the everyone that Paul is speaking about here are those who are believers, those who are followers of Christ. This passage is written to a church. It's written to those who are followers of Christ. The first work of the Holy Spirit, as we learned two weeks ago, is to convince us to allow Christ to come into our lives so the Spirit can reside within us. But everyone who has the Spirit and belongs to Christ has what the Bible calls a spiritual gift. The Bible says uh, there are different kinds of gifts. The same Spirit is the source of them all. Different kinds of service, we serve the same Lord. It says in verse 7, as clearly as it could, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. Look at verse 7. Each of us. Paul said in verse 11, same context, same chapter, just a few verses down. In verse 11, he says, all these, he had listed a bunch of spiritual gifts. And he said, all of these gifts 
are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He gives them to some people. Is that what it says? It's not what it says. He gives them to a few people who are really spiritual. Is that what He says? No. He gives them to each one just as He determines. Who determines what gift you get? God determines. And who has a gift? You do. Every one of us who trusts Christ and in whose life the Holy Spirit now resides have been gifted. A spiritual gift. Now, I know some of you have very bright children, don't you? And you love to tell everyone about how bright and wonderful your children are. You put bumper stickers on your car and you tell everybody. And speaking for all the rest of us, it really gets on our nerves, to be honest with you. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'm glad you're proud of your children. But everybody should be proud of their children. And I'm glad we have gifted classes. I know there are some children who are academically, that is, they're intellectually gifted, and we ought to uh, uh, work to accelerate that. I'm not against that. But the only problem I have is, the truth is, every child is gifted. Every child is gifted. We're just gifted in different ways. And I'm not just trying to be politically correct or mansy-pansy. Listen, I believe in uh, excelling. I believe in evaluating. I believe in telling people the truth about where you've succeeded. I believe in all of that. I'm not trying to protect anybody's feelings. I'm just telling the truth. Everybody's gifted in some area. And every believer is gifted in some area. Now, just because you don't have some gift that's more prominent doesn't mean you're not gifted. You know what? Prominence isn't the same thing as significance. The nose on my face is more prominent than the lungs inside my chest. But it is not more significant. Just because somebody's gift puts them out front doesn't mean their gift is any more important. In fact, it may be the gift you never see operating that's the one really keeping the body healthy. See, everyone is gifted. So you can feel good about yourself today, all right? Get you a bumper sticker. I am gifted. Put it on your car if you want to, all right? Go home, look in the mirror, smile real big, and say to yourself, I am gifted. (laughs) Because you are. If the Holy Spirit lives in your life, he's given you a spiritual gift. And when a Christian says, well, I don't know if I'm gifted, they're not being humble, folks. They're being heretical. (laughs) Because the Bible tells us everyone has a spiritual gift. You've got a gift. And usually when you talk to people, there are two or three gifts that God has given them. The second key truth in this passage, not only is that everyone has a spiritual gift, but if you look in this passage, everyone has a different spiritual gift. Everyone has a different spiritual gift. Again, notice what he says in verse 6. God works in different ways. Notice what he says in verse 5. There are different kinds of service. Paul's point could not be clearer. The Corinthian church had been confused about certain types of gifts. There are some people in the Corinthian church that believed that their gift made them more spiritual than people that didn't have their gift. And they got so confused that they began to think, if you really love Jesus as much as I love Jesus, if you had the Holy Spirit like I have the Holy Spirit, you'd have the same gifts I have. And Paul writes to say, no, there's one Lord. There are many different kinds of gifts. Same spirit, different gifts. In fact, uh, Romans 12, 6 says the same thing. We have different gifts according to the grace that has been given us. Therefore, it's untrue 
And many people get confused. It's untrue to say there is any gift that's the sign of being filled with the Spirit. Anybody that comes along and says, if you really love Jesus, you'd have this gift. If you really had the Holy Spirit, you'd have this gift. No, exactly the opposite is what the Bible's teaching. You can have a love for Christ, be full of the Holy Spirit, and have completely different gifts than somebody else has. It's the entire theme of this chapter. In fact, I didn't put these verses in your notes, but, but uh, if you read down at the end of chapter 12 and verse 29, Paul could not be clear as he asked a series of rhetorical questions in verse 29. Are we all apostles? The answer to that is clearly no. He asked, are we all prophets? Well, of course we're not all prophets. Are we all teachers? Is everybody here a teacher? Well, of course not. Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. Folks, the answer is obvious. One spirit, but many different kinds of gifts. And the problem is, sometimes the devil gets involved in what God's doing in our life. And when he can't keep us from trusting Christ, and when he can't keep us from having the Holy Spirit in our life, then what he tries to do is he appeals to our pride and arrogance. And he says, you know what? You do have the Lord. You have the Holy Spirit. You just have so much more of it than everybody else. And then we begin to walk in pride and arrogance, and we begin to look down on others whose gifts are different than ours, whose experience may be different than ours. But friend, if they love the Lord Jesus Christ and profess Him as Lord and Savior, just because their gifts are different than yours doesn't mean they don't have the Holy Spirit. One Spirit, many different gifts. Listen, if all of us were exactly the same, one of us isn't needed. You get two people in the room, they agree on every topic, one of them's unnecessary. Hey, God's put us together because you have gifts I don't have. I have gifts you don't have. She has gifts we don't have. And you put all those gifts together. You know what? You have the body of Christ working together. We need each other, don't we? We need each other's gifts. So everyone has a gift. Everyone has different gifts. And the third thing that Paul makes very clear in this passage, every gift is for helping others. Every gift is for helping others. Verse 7 says it. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. The purpose of a spiritual gift is not to make you feel good. Now, it does make you feel good when you use it for the Lord. But God doesn't give you a spiritual gift so you can be puffed up and say, look at this gift I have. God didn't give me the gift of teaching for me. Now, he loves me and he gave me Jesus, but somewhere in my life, God decided to give me the gift of teaching and he did it so I could stand and teach you. God gave you a gift so you could help somebody. And every gift we have isn't for ourselves to be used selfishly or pridefully to make us feel vaunted up. No, 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 no. Every gift is to help somebody else up. I remember some time ago, I was at a youth retreat. We had a small youth group back then. We had a bunch of kids, and we were hiking up a mountain. And we'd gone up to the mountains for a retreat. And there were one or two of those kids. Boy, they were having a hard time getting to the top of the mountain. I mean, you had to beg, cajole, threaten, and do anything you could to get them because we wanted everybody at the top. Finally, when it gets to the steepest part, we just, you had to kind of get behind them and just push. You know what I'm talking about? I, it took two or three of us just kind of huffing and pushing and somebody's pulling, somebody's pushing and we finally got them to the top. And I sat there exhausted and out of breath and thought, that's exactly what the church is about. Get everybody to the top. 
Get everybody where God wants them to go. And friend, God gave you the spiritual gifts he gave you, not just so you could run up to the top of the hill, so you could help bring somebody else to the top of the hill. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each one of us should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Don't fall for the devil's lie that your spiritual gift is to shine the light on you. Your spiritual gift is to help somebody else. And if you're not helping them, you're not using your gift. Now, somebody comes along and says, okay, pastor, I understand. I have a gift. Everyone has a gift. My gift is different from somebody else's. It may not look exactly like yours does. And, and, and my gift is, is to help others. So if I'm not helping others, I'm not doing what God's gifted me to do. How can I begin to find my gift? How can I begin to use my gift? So let me give you some practical advice about activating your spiritual gifts. In fact, I want to give you two words that will help you find and begin to use your spiritual gift. The first word is the word look. Look. You got to open your eyes and look to see what God's done in your life. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. I mean three things. Number one, I mean look up. Focus on the Lord God. It begins with your relationship with Him. And when I say look up, what I mean is this. Surrender to the control of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's what we've been talking about over the last two weeks. When we talked about what it means to let God come into your life and surrender to Him. And 81 people two weeks ago made that step of faith, went down to the beach, and were baptized publicly as followers of Christ. They listened to the Holy Spirit and did what the Holy Spirit said. you got to let Him come in your life. And then what we talked about last week, you've got to let him control your life. While the Holy Spirit resides in every believer, he's not in control of every believer. Because some of us are grieving him. Some of us are not walking in him. Some of us are quenching him. And we need to allow him to control us like he wants to. So the first step is, if you want to know what your spiritual gift is and begin to use it, you've got to surrender to his control. Let me tell you, God can use any vessel, but he's looking for a clean vessel. God wants to use and work through your life. And it doesn't matter where your scars are. It doesn't matter that you, you may not be as talented as this person. You don't have that gift that that other person has. God still wants to use you. He will work through you. But he is looking for somebody surrendered. And if you won't surrender to him, then, then God can't use you the way he wants to use you. He'll use you for his purposes, but not the way he wants to. That can bring his blessing in your life. So the first step is I need to look up. I need to surrender to the control of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, come into my life. Holy Spirit, live within my heart. Then, Holy Spirit, control me. I want to be under your influence every day. I want to be filled with your Spirit. So I look up and I surrender to the control of the Holy Spirit. Then I need to look in. Once I've surrendered the control of the Holy Spirit, then I want to look in. And what do I mean when I say look in? Look inside and see how God has shaped you. Because every one of us has a unique shape. Several years ago, the author Rick Warren used this little acrostic to illustrate how every one of us is shaped differently. And he used acrostic, S-H-A-P-E, shape. And we've taught it around here for a bunch of years. But just very quickly, if you don't know it, I want you to see it again. S stands for spiritual gifts. Every one of us has some spiritual gifts. Usually, if you talk to people, there are two or three dominant spiritual gifts that people will have. Maybe you look at teaching and leadership and exhortation. Those are my gifts. Somebody else might have the gift of mercy or administration. Somebody might have a gift of faith. Somebody might have a gift of helps or service. Thank God we need all the gifts in order to be the church that God wants us to be. In your life, there's some spiritual gifts there. 
So, first of all, you have spiritual gifts. The H stands for heart. There are some things you're passionate about. There, you know, it's just neat to watch what people get excited about in the body of Christ. And, uh, and, and you have a heart for certain things. Somebody has a heart, and they're out there serving in the preschool ministry. And I'll talk to them, and they'll say, Pastor, you know what the most important ministry of the church is? I'll say what? They'll say it's a preschool ministry. I'll say, you're absolutely right. It is. Amen. I'll walk down the hall, bump into a choir member. Oh, they're so excited. They've just come from rehearsal. They'll say, Preacher, you know what the most important ministry in the church is, don't you? I'll say, no, what is it? They'll say, it's the worship ministry leading us to worship the Lord. Oh, we're made to worship. I'll say, you're right, it is. And then I'll walk down the hall, and there's somebody involved in, in evangelism ministry. There's somebody involved in, in uh, social ministry. They're out in the community, and somebody's fired up about a political cause, fighting for justice. And, and we get passionate about different things. And you know what? We need people in the body of Christ passionate about all of those things because we all share the same mission which is bringing people to dynamic life in Christ by the way please don't make this mistake please don't make this mistake if you're not as passionate about the things I'm passionate about then you don't love Jesus as much as I love Jesus that happens in the body of Christ somebody will get fired up about some ministry and they're up to their eyeballs in it and they look around and say how come you're not involved in this ministry where were you Hey, they may have been doing five other things you didn't know about, and they're fired up about those things. See, we all have different passions. We have a different heart. And whatever God has made you to be passionate about, he did it on purpose. Hey, my staff jokes at me because when I get in those meetings and some of my administrators around me start talking about budgets and start talking about buildings and what kind of carpet are we going to buy and how many our utilities are going to cost. My eyes begin to glaze over and if it goes on for about 10 minutes, I'm looking for a gun just to get out of my misery. <laughs> and they, they know that because that drains me. I sit in a budget meeting for about an hour. I'm just drained. I get in a place where I can study about teaching and I can do this for four hours, folks. Why? Because it's God shaped me to do it. A stands for abilities. We have different abilities. And don't think some of your abilities are secular and some are spiritual. Every ability you have has been given by God. Do you know that? It can be used for good or it can be used for bad. But every ability you have came from God. You say, yeah, well, I, I, you know, I, I'm a coach. I'm a scientist. I'm a, I, I do this. That doesn't have anything to do with being spiritual. Absolutely, it does. Everything you do and do well, God made you to do it well. And if you will let God use it, he'll take your abilities and use it for his glory. P stands for personality. We all have different personalities. Some of us are extroverts. We love being around people. We're the life of the party. Some of us are shy. We'd rather be in a crowd. Some of us, we want to be around people all day long. Some of you, that sounds like a fate worse than death. You'd rather be sitting in front of your computer tomorrow, and your best day tomorrow would be if nobody calls, nobody rings, and nobody interrupts you because you just love information. And, 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 and some of you would rather get out there and work on an engine or build something with wood. We all have different personalities. There's not one that's right, one that's wrong. God shaped us the way he shaped us for a reason. And then E stands for experiences. We all have different experiences. Even if you had the same spiritual gifts, heart, ability, and personality as the person next to you, which is very unlikely, but if you had all those things exactly the same, you'd still be different because you've experienced different things in your life. Some of us grew up and met Christ at an early age, and some of us were adults before we met Christ. Some of us had healthy homes. Some of us had dysfunctional homes. Uh, let me tell you something. All of us have had pain, though. And your greatest ministry often flows out of your greatest pain. Did you know that? 
Paul said, it's through my weakness that God has made himself strong. You think your greatest ministry is your strength. Usually your greatest ministry is out of your weakness. God never wastes a hurt. God never wastes a scar. And everything you've been through in your life, I'm not saying God caused it, but everything you've been through in your life, God will take and use it for his good and his glory if you will let him. If I had time, I could tell you about the ministries in this church, many of which have been birthed out of somebody's pain. But out of that pain, they gave it to God. Now God's using them to reach other people. So first of all, look up and be surrendered to the Lord. Father, control me. Number two, look in and see how God has shaped me. How's God shaped you? What has happened in your life? And how can God use that? And then look out. Look out. And what I mean by that is this. Look at the needs that are around you. Look at the problems that are around you. Look at the opportunities that are around you. Quit sitting there and just looking inside and feeling sorry for yourself. Begin to look around and say, what can I do to help and serve others? Look around. Somebody often will come up and they'll say, Preacher, we've got a problem. And I used to get defensive about that, as if we don't have problems. Well, of course we've got problems. It's not heaven yet. We're going to have problems. Now I've learned to listen because very often the problem somebody sees, they see because they were shaped that way. And I wouldn't see it in 20 years. You ever walk into somebody's house and you see something that they don't even look at anymore because they've gotten used to it? Hey, I'm glad some people walk around here and say, Hey, we could do that better. Why don't we have that ministry? Why aren't we doing this that way? You know what? Go do it. Help us. If you find a need, don't, we don't need problem spotters, by the way. That doesn't help us too much. We need problem solvers. You find a need, you find an opportunity, you see a problem, great. There's an opportunity for another ministry. And probably you see it because of who you are. And God shaped you that way. So begin to look around you. And the next time somebody says, can you help? Say yes. And go out there and begin to serve. I heard a coach say it. He said this, if you didn't show up tomorrow, who would miss you and why? That's a great question. If you didn't show up next week, who would miss you and why? And I want to tell you, if you say, well, if I didn't show up, nobody would miss me. Then you're not where God wants you to be. Because God wants you to be adding value to other people's lives. You know the most fully alive people on the planet? The most fully alive people on the planet are the people who know they are serving God's purposes. And they can say, if I didn't show up tomorrow, I know who would miss me and I know why they'd miss me because it wouldn't get done. Somebody wouldn't teach the class. Somebody wouldn't be watching the preschool. Somebody wouldn't be playing the instrument. Somebody wouldn't be making the coffee. Somebody wouldn't be at my door. And who? What would they do if I wasn't at my door welcoming people? Who would miss you and why if you didn't show up? When you begin to add value into people's life, all of a sudden your life begins to have more value than it's ever had. So it's about helping others. So there's your shape. Look up, surrender to the Lord. Look in, see how God has shaped you. Look around you and see the opportunities for service. The first word is look. To activate the Holy Spirit and begin to, uh, to His gifts and begin serving Him, look. The second word I want to give you is the word leap. <laughs> the word leap. What in the world are you saying, preacher? Leap off a bridge? No, that's not what I'm saying. Leap means just get involved. Can I tell you, at the end of the day, you just got to roll up your sleeves and go to work. You know that? Nobody ever learned to fish by reading a book on fishing. No, you can read books on fishing. They ain't going to teach you how to fish. Nobody ever learned to drive a car by taking the driver's license test. Now, I'm glad we make them take a test. It's good to know the stop sign doesn't mean go. I mean, that's a good lesson to learn. But the way you learn to drive 
go out there and drive. That's why they give you a learner's permit for a year. And I wish it was five years, but they give it to you for a year. And they say, watch somebody else drive. And then you drive and let them watch you drive. Why? Because the only way to learn to do it is to do it. And folks, when it comes to ministry and serving and using your spiritual gifts, you can take every spiritual gift test ever devised. But if you really want to know how God shaped you, let me encourage you to do something. Roll up your sleeves and find something to do. Get involved. Find a need and go meet it. Say, well, I don't even see a need. Well, then find a friend and hang around somebody who is serving. Do whatever they do. Just roll up your sleeves and go. God can drive a moving car a lot better than a parked one. And what I mean by that is get in gear and go and let God's Spirit begin to direct you. And He will. And He will. Now, we've been talking about the presence of God all month long. It's been a wonderful series to teach. We've been talking about the, who the Holy Spirit is and what He does in our life. And, and, and we've been talking about the fact that folks are looking for spiritual answers. Listen to me. They are. But if you really want to discover supernatural power, it isn't just in having the biggest goosebumps in town or having the greatest emotional experience. And think, again, I'm for emotion. I'm for goosebumps. I'm for all that. But you really want to experience the presence of God? You let the Holy Spirit live in you and control you, listen, and then start flowing through you. And you will catch yourself and you will go, this is why I am on this planet. God is working through me. Greg Thiel, I introduced him a few minutes ago. Our athletic director came to Calvary in 2008. He was sitting there at the University of South Florida Coach of the Year about five years ago. Conference USA Track and Field Coach of the Year. He's working at our high school making half the salary he was five or six years ago. You know why? Because Jesus changed his life, filled him up with his Holy Spirit, and then put him where God wants to serve him. And he would tell you, my passion, his passion, He's using athletics to train people to be disciples of Christ. And he is going to bring us there in every one of those sports. Those men on the stage, every one of them living out of their passion. Aaron Walt was a police officer. God got a hold of his life, called him into Christian education. Now he's your assistant administrator. Every one of those men living out of their passion. Are you living out of your passion? Where God shaped you? He puts you on this planet to do something. Ephesians 2.10 says, He made you for good works. He prepared them in advance before the foundation of the world. Are you doing what God put you on this planet to do? You start doing what God put you on this planet to do, and let me tell you, you will experience the presence of God. You won't need a bunch of silly cards and a Ouija board and astrology chart. What a bunch of nonsense. You'll wake up and feel the power of the Holy Spirit living in you, flowing through you, and exalting Jesus. That's the presence of Almighty God. I want you to pray with me this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed. Hey, if you're here this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you have never invited the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, as we said a couple of weeks ago, and I'm reminding you today, you know what the Holy Spirit's job is? Convincing you. Convincing you. 
whispering in your ear, whispering to your heart. Say, preacher, is it audible? No, it's much louder than that. It's right there in your heart, tugging, saying, give your heart to Jesus. Trust him. You need forgiveness. Jesus is the answer. If you've never prayed and received Jesus, maybe right now in your heart you'd say this, Lord Jesus, I open my heart. I ask you to come into my life. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. Please take control of my life and help me to live for you. If you prayed that prayer, the Bible says, as many as receive him, to them gives you the power to become the children of God. Are you a believer? Wonderful. Have you allowed the Holy Spirit to control you and are you living in that fullness? If you didn't show up in the next month, who would miss you and why? Are you letting God use you to lift others up and serve other people? If not, would you say to the Lord right now, Lord Jesus, I know you put me here to serve you. That's the reason I'm on this planet. It's the reason I'm drawing my next breath is to serve your purposes. And I serve you by serving others. I will no longer live for myself. I will live for you. Show me where I can serve. Show me where I can lift somebody else up. Show me where I can minister in Jesus' name. Father in heaven, fill us with your presence. That your presence may not only reside in us, but flow through us. Thank you for the presence. Thank you that we are doing so much more than learning about the past, studying archaeology or speculating on philosophy. Thank you, Father, that you are a living, reigning God, the only living God, that your presence is here, residing in us and using us. Oh, God, today, may we be filled with your Spirit and may you use us to accomplish your purpose. Is our prayer we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.